laugh a day with Comedy AM founder Cassandra Gordon. Hello, this is a laugh a day podcast with Cassandra and Janin Yunus. Janin or Janan? I always get her name wrong, even though she's my lovely co-host. Um, she's on well. Um, she can't even speak. She's so good, but she's so wanted to talk to our guest today, Aaron. Do you want to introduce yourself, Aaron, to our listeners? Hello. Uh, let's get this straight off the bat. I won't have a go at you because it's the first time. It's technically Aaron, but let's. Oh my let's, god! Let's not fall out about are you going on about how you can't say Janan's name. You've got zero from two so far today. Oh god! But yeah, I'm, I'm Aaron. I'm a comedian, uh, and. Yeah, I'm here currently in my flat, and you're in my bed. In your, in your bed, in a onesie. So in, that's the in a onesie with that's the um, vibe pink we're going heart strike, um, with pink heart, and it's blue. Um, that's what I do. Um, how you know, try to get people learn them into my bed and into my podcast. Um, so Aaron, yes, great. Oh God, Jesus. I'm just, I've just got so much. Don't worry about it. I, I would say 70% of people call me Aaron. Okay. I feel I'm going to get corrected. And thank you for being so honest. Cause you know, you don't want to be like, I do, I say Aaron, Aaron, Aaron. And at the end you'll be like, my name's Aaron. Aaron's been Aaron. You're, you're like, like, no, I'm an idiot. Yeah. Why you're why, why being a dick? Can't, can't you read? I'm like, oh, okay, thank you. Okay, cool. So as with this podcast, we always ask mm-hmm. people questions about, your background, how did you get started? Um, for people who don't know, um, or for, for yourself, I'm a s- retiree comedian because I can't do evenings. As I am in my onesie, after when I come from work, I find evenings really tough. So how did you start your comedy career? Um, so I was in quite a sort of a negative relationship. And then I got out of that and I thought, what's the stupidest thing that I can do? And... I came very, and in my head, it was uh, either stand-up comedy or a bungee jump. And a friend of mine did stand-up comedy. I'd always loved stand-up, but always assumed that by watching Live at the Apollo, I went, oh, well, I'm funny. I'm not mm, that. Mm. Forgetting that, you know, Michael McIntyre or Josh Whittacombe or whoever it was has been mm. doing it for 10 years, and that's their funniest seven minutes. Mm, and mm. thinking, well, if I'm not that funny, what's the point in doing it? Um, and then I met him, and he was he was funny. He was a funny guy, Who? but he wasn't like unbelievably funny. And the the idea that I could I thought that I could be as funny as that guy. Mm. And if he'd been paid to do it, then I thought I could do that as well. Mm, mm. So um, he sent me a list of open mics, and I did it. I did my mm. first my first one and loved it. Um, went screaming down a hill uh, when I'd finished, when I got off the tube. Um, screaming down a hill? Yeah, I was just so excited. Because basically, I'd done it, uh, and I was elated, but I was in the room, I was in the audience, so I couldn't really be like, oh my God, I'm a stand-up Canadian. Mm, mm, mm. Just what I was. Um, and then I went from there on the tube. You know, you can't be happy on the tube. People will think you're insane. So, um put my headphones in, looked miserable. And then when it was, when I got out of the, off the tube and I was going from the station to my car, um, for the listeners of this podcast, I am uh, usually in a wheelchair. Um, And so I went rolling down the hill 
and just screaming my head off about how I was going to be a stand-up comedian. Um, Did anyone stop you? Because no, I was going pretty quickly. Um, Yeah, people tend to get out of the way when you're going downhill in a wheelchair. Uphill. Sorry, I just want to clarify: uphill or downhill? Downhill. Yeah. Um, Uphill people tend to try and help, which is infuriating to me. Okay, I don't know how to respond. So, in the most PC way, you're rolling yeah. down the hill. Yeah. You're in a wheelchair. Yeah. People just leave you alone. Yeah, I mean, it was also sort of 11 o'clock at night. Like, it wasn't like I was in the middle of Oxford Circus. Like, it, it was. Okay. It was outside Rainer's Lane tube station, if you really must know. Uh, wow. Zone five. Well, I think that's what zone is that. So that's that's the, that's the suburbs, isn't it? That's that's yeah. the suburbs. Not really good. Yeah, not the not a huge um, amount of people around. I'm very sure that I scared one or two people um, that day, but I did. I didn't do it as an intentional. This will be funny. This will be something to talk about. It was just genuinely how I felt, and I think it was. Like, I was really happy with how it went. And, like, it, obviously, if I listen back to it now, I'd think, well, mm. this is awful. You are awful. What are you doing? But but then I was like, they've laughed three times in five minutes. I'm an amazing comedian. Of course. I can do this for a living. Um, and so, yeah, I was just elated. And the fact that I couldn't express that for about an hour yeah. after having that feeling probably just made it build and build and build and then quite literally come flying out of me whilst rolling down the hill. Okay, so some people say that there's, you know, obviously comedy, make people laugh, it's like kind of therapy. Sometimes people have um, this, there's a discipline called laughter therapy and yours is just like elated rolling down a hill in your wheelchair therapy. Because that's... Um, I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily therapy for me. I'm quite a happy person. Always yeah, happy. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's a very much uh, a theory about the broken comedian and the, the sad clown. And, mm. and I don't think that's, you know, 100% true for me. I don't think it's 100% untrue and, and that I just want to make people laugh and, and that's mm. it. Mm. Like, I think mm. there is um, something that's not quite right about people who want to stand under a spotlight and go, I'm going to be so funny, you guys are going to pay me to be funny. Um, there's something not quite right about those kind of people, um, but you, you're just happy go lucky. You're 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 the rare ones. I mean, I would certainly say I'm happier than most comedians that I've met. Um, wow, I need to rub off quite you a then. lot of sad. There's quite a lot of sad clowns out there, but it doesn't mean that they're any less funny. Ah, uh, um, I'm, I'm I'm not sad, but the cynic one. So I need to, when mm. I see you in person, I'm going to rub on you. I'll, I'll, ask, I'll ask for consent first and sure. then I'll touch you a little bit and then I'm like, that should rub off on me. So that's, that's good to know. So about your childhood. So usually, you know, when we do our, um, our comedic sets, we, we talk about ourselves and be authentic because the audience mm-hmm. will know. So does you, do you talk about happiness and being happy a lot and jolly um, in, your, in, in your sets or in your Edinburgh show? you was talking about offline um do i talk about being happy i i try to obviously there's not a huge amount of comedy going hey guys i've just got a great life uh, <laughs> isn't it great 
Um, obviously, I don't do that. I do try. I do try and make my comedy come from a place of happiness. I am trying to make people happy. Like mm-hmm. there are things that irritate me in the world, and there's things that um, I think that anger is quite funny. And um, but I always, always think that it should be about you know making people happier. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the yeah, by the end of the twenty minutes that I've been on set there. Yeah, on stage, people should be happier that I've been on than been on, than I wasn't on. Okay, that's the plan. Um, I don't tend to really talk about my mental health or um, anything like that. I talk more about the stories from my life and and uh, how my life is affected by being in a wheelchair and having cerebral palsy and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that's yeah, I think I get the feeling when. I stand in front of an audience or sit in front of an audience more accurately. People mm. are like, we don't care what you think about Trump or Brexit or whatever. We want to know about the chair. What is your relationship mm. to us? Mm. What, what can you tell us? That's di- like, Because I have no opinions that people care about. But I do have an interesting story, I think. And hopefully, you know, the the situations that I get myself into, which are a little bit sitcom-like, um, translate to being funny rather than um, going, God, isn't Trump a dick? Um, because that's so, what everyone thinks. So I'm guessing you're more of an observational or storytelling comedian? Storytelling is probably the most accurate way I would describe myself. Obviously, there's like little bits of observation in there. Mm, um, mm. I... I'm not great at observational comedy as a, as a thing. So mm, if mm, you say, mm. write some observational comedy about a phone or about or TV, like I can't just be like, right, these are the things I've noticed about phones and make jokes about that. I have to have a story and then if a phone is mentioned, I'd be like, hey, isn't this weird? And as, a, as a sort of a tangent to the story, I'm mm. much more interested in that. Um, you know, it's not for everyone. I get that not everyone likes storytellers and there are brilliant observational comedians, there's brilliant one-liners, brilliant in all kinds of com- comics. It, for me, I've always found myself funniest when I'm telling a story. Mm. So, like, if someone says, oh, tell that story about that thing, I, I know exactly how to tell it. I know what's funny about it. I know what's happened from the age of 13. Mm. Um, and so when I started comedy, it was very much sort of an, an impersonation of what I thought a comedian should be. Mm. And so I told jokes and it didn't really work. Mm. It worked well enough, but it was quite amateurish. It was quite formulaic. Whereas now I think um, I just want to go up, go up on stage. If there's something that's happened to me that week, I'm going to talk about it and hopefully I'll be able to think of it in a funny enough way and frame it in the right way that it would be funny. So it's more authentic, I guess, because people want to know about you. And I guess in a nice way to say, what's the elephant in the room? People want to know about the chair. People want to know about your story and what makes you unique, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that, um, I don't think that if, I didn't talk about me, people, if I just had killer jokes one after the other, I don't think Mm. people would be satisfied with that. They'd want to know more about me. Um, You know, it it would be 
almost impossible to do a 20 minute set of just one-liners or just jokes mm. and not mention being in a wheelchair. Um, funnily enough, that is one of the Edinburgh shows that I want to do. Mm. Um, not this year, but next year. Mm. Um, oh yeah, I've already planned two Edinburgh's time. Um, it's going to be a show called Don't Mention the Chair. It's all, about, um, it's all about how in my day-to-day life, I just want to be treated um, like a, a regular uh, yeah. person. Um, but when I, as soon as I go on stage, it's this funny thing happened because I'm in a wheelchair and I want to change that. So I'm going to not talk about that. And all I'm going to do is, is tell jokes and funny stories that have nothing to do with me being disabled or being in a wheelchair. And I'm going to see if I can do it because right now that seems very difficult. Wow. Well, you can't help being new, isn't it? And That's I just, true. And I just, I just want to clarify, it's not mm-hmm. the same before I, mm-hmm. before I sound mm-hmm. like a bit of a douche. Um, I guess when I started comedy and I did some class, um, classes, you, they said, why don't you do more black jokes? And I don't know if you can tell, it's a very dark room. I'm, I'm in my bed and the light is still on. I am a black woman. So I'm just like, oh, do I have to do black jokes? Oh, I can't bother. I haven't done many black jokes. I've done a bit of class or class jokes yeah. about being working class and middle class. But, um, and people seem to identify with that. But I, I struggle uh, about, obviously, the elephant's room, yeah. I am black. But I don't want to talk yeah. about it all the time. Because that's I'm more than that, if you know exactly. what I mean. Exactly. And I think that's, and that's part of it. And that's, and that's obviously depending on your perspective. My... You know, when I say I talk about being in a wheelchair a lot, I do talk about it. But the punchline is never, and then I was in a wheelchair. Yeah. Like, it's always, you know, about being in a wheelchair is the starting point. And, and more often than not, it's me being a dick at the same time. Okay. It leads to me telling a stupid story or, um, you know, what happens. Because, you know, the stories that I tell probably would happen if I'm not in a wheelchair but mm. they also probably wouldn't happen if I don't if I wasn't just annoying and mm. like it, and when uh, so for example one of the stories I have is a woman at a cinema mm. called my girlfriend my mum like I could have just ignored that yeah I know hilarious uh, if you want the full story come to the gig on the 21st of November um, <laughs> okay plugging already um why not? No. Um, yeah, so like, he, she called my girlfriend my mum. Now, obviously, that, that has happened because she seen me in the wheelchair and assumed that I couldn't have a girlfriend and that my girlfriend must be my mum, right? It, and that is where the story starts. But the story continued because I'm a dickhead. And I then went, yeah, oh, Lisa just told me. Are you, as soon as you said, are you a dickhead? Are they, are they looking for you? For, for, for uh, no, you I just live on a very busy road. And it's fireworks night, so I'm waiting some bangs, which are going to be fire. Well, it's the day after fireworks night. But fireworks season finale is tomorrow, light, low, yeah. light, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's all a bit mad. But um, I'll, I'll, I'll come back and you can edit this all together. It's going to look big. You um, know, when you hear this, you know, I think people really think that I could edit well. Um, so, you know, it might just be... I'll, I'll come back a little bit so you can touch wherever you feel most appropriate. Well... Um, so, what's this? So, obviously, that starts by the, the woman at the cinema thinking that I can't have a girlfriend because I'm in a wheelchair. 
or the, and that girl must be my mum. Mm. But it continues because I'm a bit of a dickhead, and I and I then called my girlfriend my mum. That's <gasps> yeah, as a joke, but that's what continues it, and so that's the difference. And that I think that's why. Um, those stories continue to develop and and if it was as simple as you know i'm in a wheelchair and i've got a girlfriend i know isn't that incredible like that's not enough for me and, mm. it, and it may be that now obviously i don't know uh how experienced a comedian you, you were before you decided not to continue with it that it it you just needed that extra step for for what you consider the black jokes to become stories just about your life Mm. And if that had happened, you may have been a little bit more comfortable with them. Because I, I certainly agree with um, the the theory that it's it's a part of you rather than it is you. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I I would agree that being disabled. I don't know if you said this, but like I I would say that being disabled shapes my life a lot more than I think it would if I was black. Now, obviously, I don't know. I'm not black. Yeah, and yeah, not body, yeah. so I don't know how that would affect my. No, life. because the way how society um, treats you differently, isn't it? Um, absolutely, it's, it's, it's a so. If you look at the social, uh, well, I'm not disabled or identified disabled, but I used to manage a lot of um, charity projects, which mm-hmm. uh, I used to uh, with lots of disabled children, um, sports projects with disabled. Like most of my charity experience, my day jobs, um, I worked in with people who have disabilities or identify. Um, but it's just really, I think that society disables people, you know, and just have very lim- have li- limitations for people. Um, it's, it's crazy. Yes, I mean, that, that for me is the biggest difference between the way um, most people see my disability and the way I see it. Mm. And that's mm. where the comedy comes in. So that gap in the knowledge of what I can and can't do mm. and people's awkwardness around that and people's um, expectations of, of, you know, oh, I've got to help him. Like, I've got to open a door for him. Like, you don't. I'm 28 years old. Surprisingly enough, I've opened a door. But they're doing, it out, of, they're doing it out of endearment, right? Doing it out of kindness. But are they? Really? How do you know, how do you know what their um, mindset is? But that's just an example. It's a very clear example of, um, you know, the stuff that I feel happens to me that isn't necessary. Now, if someone asks, oh, do you want to handle that? And I say, no, I'm all right. That's absolutely fine. But if someone says, I've got that for you, mate, then I'm not over. Ah. And so that's the difference. And, and, you know, I think that kind of gap between what is expected of you and what you can actually do is got so much room for comedy, um, especially when you are a bit of a bellend. Um, so bellend doesn't d- discriminate, does it? Or being a dick? No. Okay. I would say, and I know this is controversial, uh, that disabled people are more likely to end up being pricks than able-bodied people. What? Yeah, hear hear me out. As a disabled person, I reckon I could go through life by going, oh, can you get that for me? Oh, can you just do this for me? Oh, can you just do that for me? And if you have that sense of entitlement without, you know, millions of pounds in the bank, you're probably going to end up a bit of a bellend. Wow. So people can just be your servant for life just, just by looking exactly. at you. And you don't even need to pay them. You pay them in lack of guilt. 
apparently. I'm, I'm just having thoughts um, in my head of what I can get away with or... Oh, yeah. I, I was going okay. to take it to another level, which I don't know that well. And you might think she's a doo-doo head. Can I be trans disabled? But I don't want to go into that. I think, no, no, stop. The line, I, the line I, is I gone. Think that, I, I have no problem with that. But I figure if this is a podcast that you're uh, looking to broadcast, uh, people maybe maybe stay back to a thought that you've thought about. Yeah, it's true. I, mean, I wish I hadn't said what I just said, but you know, I think it's all going like in, it. by the way, because it's raw. Yeah. I don't know how to edit too much. No, but it's true. Um, no, I, I, I just I just want to put a disclaimer before people are like, oh, she's being mean and stuff like that. And um, I, I spent most of my career working with people who got disabilities. My brother, you know, you know, when I said I've I've got one black black friend. Um, like my brother is disabled and stuff like that. So I just, it's just it's just comedy, folks. Just comedy. I'm. <laughs> let me. I can't speak for all disabled people, but I am far from offended. Okay, cool. So we we clarified that. Um. Moving on into more more morbid, um, mm-hmm. or just you know lower the tone a little bit and and the mood. Sure. Um, when have you died on stage? When was the last time you died on stage? Last time, I hate talking about it because I always feel like the more you talk about it, the more likely it is to happen. Okay, Luckily, when, all right. Then, when was the first time you died on stage? The first time. Um, I tell you, the most memorable time. I was. I did a lot of gigs in the basement of a pizza place and uh, in, in London. Garden. Yeah, in Covent Garden. Um, okay. Yeah, it, it was a bit of a tourist trap. Basically, what they would do is make really cheap pizza and really cheap comedy and put it out on Groupon and Woucher. And, you know, they would get up-and-coming comedians to perform for free. And you were like, it's pizza at a show for £8. How can you believe it's such good value? And then they would just charge so much for drinks. Anyway, I won't mention the name because Cafe Mode will be very upset with my... Definitely. Okay. Anyway, uh, I don't care. It's, I haven't said anything that's not true. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, I won't bother with that. Um, but so they had like this basement underneath their pizza place, and it was a bit dingy. It was dark. It was like painted blood red for a bit, um, mm. like because it wasn't scary enough, and it was sort of set up. Um, that you just had, they just had sort of random chairs just put mm-hmm. out, and it was probably maybe thirty or forty seat capacity, probably forty seats capacity. Okay, and uh, there were eight people in the room. Six of them were on the the second to last row, and two of them were in the front row, and so there was this massive gap <laughs> of like twenty seats just unfilled. And I tried to move them forward. They're not moving. They, were, they weren't having it. They weren't happy. And I started, and I, I didn't start brilliantly, I will be honest. And I was on for 20 minutes, which was one of the longest times I'd been on at that time. And just to silence, I tried chatting to the two people in the front row. They were just, like, they were, like, they were a little bit drunk and so what they they were trying to help and just being like oh she's a prostitute and he's a and he's my pimp and like he just not giving me actual answers of like how they knew each other <laughs> it was just like it was so hard and so i just ignored them and they were like right i'm going to talk to the people in the back they didn't want to be talked to in the slightest 
So they then started telling jokes and they just hated me. And then it was, it was about sort of uh, 10 minutes in where the couple on the front row started making out. And no, yeah, like properly going for it. And I don't know if I stopped. Yeah, I know I must have stopped because I couldn't have carried on with two people in the front row making out. And I went, what's, what's going on? Like, what about my stories is about my grandma is making you particularly horny? Oh, and wow. they went, you're just boring. And is, I was done. Is, is that what they said? Yeah. I mean, to be fair, they were quite accurate. It wasn't oh. the most, it wasn't the best performance I've ever given. Um, but it was, yeah, it was a very steep learning curve. And um, you learned I, I mean, I carried on. I could feel how much they all hated me. But I was like, no, I'm, I'm booked to do 20. I'm going to do 20. Um, and I got paid. Uh, By pizza? pizza. Yeah. Ah, comedian. Um, Classic yeah. Mode. They got, yeah, I got paid in pizza. And um, Cafe Mode have the amazing ability. Right? I don't know if you've ever had this on pizza. Um, where it's burnt mm. and yet undercooked at the same time. Ooh, sound like student Lovely. pizza. Yeah, I, it doesn't make physical sense to me, but that's you know. But well, did you eat it because you felt like of course you I ate it. it? It's my payment. I'm not gonna not wow. eat it. And how did your belly feel afterwards? I mean, not great. Um, okay, but, you know. but it was worth it. You had to do it. You got you got yeah. paid. You got you got to put exactly. up in your, on, on your credits like I got paid. Uh, how much did you get paid for the set? Um, pepperoni and anchovies. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm a veggie. I just pepperoni and anchovies. What is going on with your pizza? I don't know. That's I'm, insane. I'm, I'm, I'm a veggie. Do you have that on a pizza? Second, sorry. Do you have that on a pizza? Pepperoni and anchovies. No, sorry. I made it up. Sorry, I was confessing. Oof, I'm, I'm I was going to say because I don't mind getting paid in pizza, but come on, mate. That is awful. So, what, 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 what do you have on your pizza? What What is a comedy pizza? I'm very simple. I, I like to keep it as simple as possible, straightforward as possible. Margarita, extra chicken. Don't muck about. Okay. Don't mess with his pizza, guys. Margarita yeah. and just chicken. That's all you need to pay him for your next gig. That's all. Exactly. That's all good call. I'd like to point out that I am a lot better than I was then. Okay, so, so you like to have some legal of, tender. Yeah, and also I'm now gluten intolerant, so definitely don't pay me pizza. Okay. Chips, no, pay him in, in chips. Chips, chips. yeah. Chips, oh, cool. it's fine. If oh, we're not... I'm sure there's a lot of um, chippies in, um, in Covent Garden. I think there's one, there's one of the best chippies I've ever seen. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's on Endell Street. I can't remember. Anyway, on a side thing. I know exactly where that is. It's right next to Cafe Road. Mm. I don't know what it's called. Oh, yeah, it's one of the best chippies I've ever met. Sure. As I get hungry, before I um, talk about food, um, uh-huh. when you started out, and doing mm-hmm. open mics, um, what advice would you give to newer comedians who's like, oh, I might want to start comedy, things what people didn't really tell you, like what would you warn them or tell them? Well, the first thing I'd say is the only way you're going to learn is by doing it. Like comedy is, is very different to something like music. You can't practice in your bedroom until you're really good and then go mm. Mm. The problem is you are going to be a bit shit to start off with. Once you accept that, uh, and that you are not going to get it right every single time, um, 
then then you can sort of accept where you are and, and learn from it. Um, there's a couple of things that I would really recommend to new comedians. First of all is if you're at an open mic, the chances are most of the people in that room are comedians. Yeah. It's very difficult to make comedians laugh, particularly if they're new and thinking about their set and they're nervous and all that. That doesn't necessarily correspond to how good or bad the jokes are. Mm. And with a comedian, they'll, they'll have a different sensitivity to an audience member. So mm. uh, most audiences don't like the C word. Most comedians do. Mm. It's, it's just a thing that I've learned over the last four and a bit years of doing this. And so just because you can make a comedian laugh doesn't mean you can make an audience laugh and vice versa. Just because mm. comedians don't mm. laugh doesn't mean an audience won't. Um, so that's one thing to bear in mind and be very aware of. The second thing I would suggest is record every gig you do. Record it, listen back to it, because if you're on stage and you're trying to think of your jokes and you're trying to perform the best you can, you don't want to be thinking, oh, I must remember that joke that I've just come up with. A, you won't. And B, mm. it means that your, your perspective when you're on stage is so skewed. It's... Mm. You've got adrenaline throwing, flowing through you. You've got nerves. You've got, you're trying to remember stuff. Mm. You might notice a pretty guy or a girl in the front row. There's a hundred different things going through your mind. If you record it and you go home and the next day you listen to it and you can go, right, joke one worked. Joke two worked. Joke three didn't work. Mm. So that's really, really important. And if, if you can and if they're okay with it, I'd actually suggest recording a little bit of the comedian before you and a little bit of the comedian after you so that you get an idea of how good they were compared to you. Because oh, I never thought about that. So like a sandwich, so you do before yeah, and after. Absolutely, because the thing about it is that, as I say, your perspective is so skewed when you're on stage because all the laughter is pointing at you. So when you're on stage, even if there's only 10 people in the room, everybody, if they laugh, is laughing at you. So mm. always feel like you're getting the most laughs in a gig, mm. right? And that may not be the case, is, and it probably won't be the case when you first start. So if you record like a minute or two of the person before you or a minute or two of the person after you or anybody in the gig and you think they're having a really good gig, I want to record that, see what that sounds like when I listen back to it, have your recorder in the same place and see what it sounds like. Because... Although you shouldn't compare yourself to anybody else, you're very different people, and especially if they've been going a year or two and you've just started, they will be funnier. And it doesn't mean that you can't be that funny in a year mm. or two. But when you think about how comedy works and, and you know, going into pro bills, being the open spot on a, uh, on a professional bill, or, or beginning paid work, or, or even headlining gigs, you need to know where you sit amongst other people and so if you have only ever heard yourself gig and you think i'm the funniest person in the world and you apply to do a gig for a hundred quid mm. and you send a shitty audio or a shitty video of you at an open mic night mm. and you think it's your best video but it's really a three out of ten mm. for most people you're going to get a reputation for someone who who applies for gigs they're not ready for and everybody does it. I mean, I, I remember getting my first 10 minutes that sort of worked and applied to a pro bill straight away. 
Um, and here's a fun fact. Four, hour, four years later, I still do not do work for that club because they think of me as an open micer. Um, oh, but you learn, you learn, you learn fast. You learn from those mistakes. And, and luckily it's not a, a huge, like, it's not, you know, the glees or the stands or the comedy stores of this world. Mm. It's, um, it's a good club. I, I, like, I want to play, play it, um, but it's not the end of the world if I never pay, got paid plenty there. Wow. Okay, that's you're very insightful. That I never heard that advice before. I wish I knew that. I wish I knew that because sometimes you think you're amazing and then you're not. You got sometimes you can't drink your own Kool Aid. I'll tell you that. It's <laughs> ego, isn't it? There's there's a lot of ego involved, and and you got you got to check. You got to just be realistic, especially when you're putting yourself out to get gigs and want to be paid. So thank you exactly. for that. That was very insightful. I'm just taking lots of mental notes and writing as I can, inspiring me to get back onto the scene properly. Um, cool. as I said, this was, um, I started comedy AM, mm-hmm. which was a comedy wellness kind of, um, event or it's like stand up comedy, professional comedian yeah. and we eat breakfast in the morning, seven o'clock. It happens every couple of months. And the reason why I started that because last year I had a really, really tough time in my private life. And the only thing that got me out of bed was memes and videos. And um, so mental health was just, 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 everyone talks about mental health all all, all of a sudden. I think I've been talking about mental health since I was there, was born or when I could talk. But um, what is, what does good mental health mean to you? Because you you, you said that you're you're a happy person, but what does good mental health mean to you? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm quite lucky. I've never really suffered with with mental health sort of um, issues. and, And I think... The biggest thing for me is that people that I care about have suffered with mental health, mm. and that and that is um, almost harder to deal with if you've never had any of these issues. And um, you know, I've I've had uh, people that I'm very close to have anxiety, and um, I've had people that I um, you know have had you know some, like being on the brink of suicide, and you're there and you're like okay please don't do it in my flat mm. um and or just don't do it um mm. and luckily they they got therapy in there oh, okay that. but um yeah it's it's really important and it and it's just one of those things that so i listen to the alice james and john robbins podcast and they talk about mental health a lot and they talk about it in a really sensible way and in a really sort of practical way and the way they described it is just talk about it like it's physical health. Like, just mm. treat it in that same way. And, like, people never go, oh, my God, he's talking about his physical health. Oh, my God, he's talking about the fact that he's hurt his knee. Mm. Uh, mm. Just, just don't tell anyone. Just, just, think, just think about how, you, how great your, your other knee is and mm. all that kind of stuff. And it's absolute nonsense. It's just another part of ourselves that we need to look after. And as I say, I'm very lucky to be in a position where I don't have mental health issues. Um, but I think it's very important. I'm always happy to talk about it. And I think the more people do talk about it, the better we are. We will be at dealing with it. Because I think that if you have mental health issues and you talk to any, you know, if you talk to someone, mm. the chances are they will... I mean, I had a statistic, it's like one in four people now suffer from yeah, mental health yeah. issues a year. So it's not even, yeah, it might be higher than that, but just in this year, 
Mm. Um, it was a Movember stat that I saw um, in the gym. Mm. Um, very cheery uh, in my gym at the minute. But um, if one in four people have had mental health issues this mm. year, if you are one of those four people, oh, talk to someone, talk to anyone, and the chances are either they have had it yeah, and they'll be true. able to appreciate, uh, understand and, mm. and be able to offer some advice in terms of that. Or someone else would have talked to them about it and they will have a better understanding mm. because of it. Or that may not have happened with that person before. But the mm. chances are, if you talk to that person, someone else who has had mental health issues, if they then talk to that person, they will have a better understanding of it. And the more we talk about it and the more we're okay about it, it the easier it will be. No one goes, oh, I've got a bit of a flu coming on. I'll just man up, just deal with it. Yeah, yeah. That's not the way it works. Talk it out. Talk to people who are experiencing this stuff. Look online, mind, calm. There's lists and lists of people that will help and that are willing to do it and that want to do it. Mm. And all you need to do is, is find those people. And find courage and the strength to do that. You're not weak, you know? Absolutely. You're not it's weak. not an easy thing. But I think, you know, certainly from my perspective, in terms of someone who's never suffered from that kind of stuff, I want to try and make it as easy as possible for someone who is struggling with that kind of thing to be able to come up to me and be like, no, Aaron, I'm struggling. How do I do this? I, mean, I, I don't know, but maybe talk to these people or these people. Yeah, signpost. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, I think it's just easier if, if people who don't suffer from mental health issues are open and receptive uh, to helping those who do, or even people who do have mental health helping others, is it will become an easier thing to deal with. Mm-hmm. Where you so don't feel like you're such a load. Thank you. Thank you for being very insightful. And there's a few things I want to ask just before we go and wrap up. Sure. Is um, One of them I heard and researched, just double checking because before I get myself in trouble, mm-hmm. Aaron, you're Jewish mm-hmm. comedian of the year. I am indeed for... Talk about that. Because um, I was chatting to another comedian. Her name, you probably know her. Is it uh, Davina Bentlin? Yes. Yeah. yeah. She, she was in, She was in the semi-final. She, she was very good. I would have actually put her in the final. But um, but you won. Embrace. I did win. Yes. Um, that was very fun. Um, uh, yeah, it was great. I mean, it, it sort of... It was a bit of a weird... Um, time for me because I was also in the BBC New Comedian of the Year Award um, which was a fantastic thing to be a part of and and so was Jewish Comedian of the Year Um, but for me like sort of um, the BBC really opened a lot of doors Mm. um, and the fact that I won so I, I was in the BBC in the August during Edinburgh, and then I was in uh, one Jewish community at the end of December. Mm. Um, and so it was, it sort of really made a sort of a, um, put, put a stamp on my sort of um, credentials, as it were. Yeah. That not only did I get into this final of a, of a national competition, but I was able to win another national competition, which mm. had slightly less entrance. Um, <laughs> Which is which is lucky because otherwise Heidi Regan would have won it again if she was. Let's not be British about it. Celebrate it. Be American about it. You won. Yeah, I mean, no, Heidi's great and she definitely deserved the BBC, and I'm very proud of what she's done since then. Um, 
But yeah, no, I was very, very happy about it. Um, not only because it was uh, a nice cash prize, but... Um, what? There's money? Okay. I didn't know, but maybe I should start doing... Okay. okay, I'm listening. I'm listening. I mean, I have suggested to other people uh, that are not Jewish, that look kind of Jewish, that they should enter, because they didn't, they didn't question my Jewishness. Um, so I, my thinking for that was that if they entered and then they won, they would be like, then there'd be this huge scandal that they're not Jewish. Ooh. And then I would, I would then continue to be the Jewish queen of the year. Um, I'm, I'm going to claim stuff. I'm going to claim stuff. I don't care because I have to claim something. So my, my, okay. my mum always well, tells me about my granddad in Jamaica. It's like yeah. people always think there's so much different um, heritages there. And my dad's name is Berryman, which is, I think, is a okay. Jewish name. And they're like, I don't know how it happened. So I'm going to claim for my dad's lineage, even though I know usually in Jewish customs, mm. usually for your mom's lineage. Uh, if that is mom. technically correct. Oh, gosh, okay. So, I'm not a, I would like to point out that I'm not uh, culturally or religiously Jewish. I'm only professionally Jewish. Um, what does that mean? Because, because I, I, I am much... I, I would consider myself an atheist, but Jewish comedian of the year paid money, so I said I was Jewish. Um, get the money. All about those dollar, dollar bills. Um, but also the other thing that I hate to break it to you, they are currently in the semi-final stage of Jewish comedian of the year. Next this year. year. Next year. Next year. There we go. Apply I'll claim something. Year. 2020 is all your year. Oh. Um, yeah, no, it was very fun. I was very glad to be asked, and they've asked me back, and um, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. It was also nice because it was the first gig that my grandma got to see me do. Uh, oh, that's really good. Yeah, that was cute, wasn't it? Um, my my show next year is is got quite a lot about. So like, it was quite like I sort of took the sort of the ten minutes that is sort of that that I could talk about in front of my grandma, and I did that ten minutes because there were a lot of Jewish women who are who wouldn't usually go to a comedy club mm. um, in the audience. So I thought, well, let, let's just do the nicest material that I have, the softest material that I have, whatever. Um, and so I did that, and I, and I was very, I was very glad to win it, and it went really well. Um, but my Edinburgh show next year is um, it involves my grandma quite a lot. Aww. And so she's going to have to come see that show just to make sure. I just want to make sure that she's happy with everything I say about her. I mean, Aww. she obviously will be. She comes out looking like a complete badass. But um, there are a few... Um, F-bombs? F-bombs I'm not really worried about, but stories of sex. And, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure how comfortable I am about talking about my girlfriend's orgasm face in front of my grandma. But but if but if gonna... but if you're getting money and you've been so acclaimed, don't sometimes yeah. parents and grandparents turn a blind eye to that because the scene. Oh no, my grandma's really cool. It's just whether or not I can say that. In front oh okay. That I'm okay with. Um, yeah, no, I have very supportive parents. I'm very supportive grandparents. Um, I'm very fortunate to be in that position. Mm. Um, they have always avoided me, which is really really nice. Um, and they haven't even questioned it for a second. Oh, that's um, so nice. I don't, I don't yeah, think I right. told my mum, but I do comedy or did do comedy. <laughs> like, Cassandra, we did not, you did not 
you do not go to university and get a master's to make people laugh. So um, that's that's the end of my my dreams. So yeah. Well, you can. I mean, the thing about it, I'm I'm fairly certain that if you are doing a real job and then doing comedy because you enjoy it, mm. that's that's the best balance. Mm. And then if you get good enough at, so I'm I'm still working a little bit part time. Um, hopefully, going to quit my day job uh, just before Edinburgh this year, yeah. but. Um, if you can um, do it whilst working, mm. enjoy it, get good at it because you like doing it, that's mm. when you'll get paid in it. When you get paid enough of it, that's when you can stop doing any other jobs if you so choose. There are some comedians that are far better than I am and a lot more money than I do at comedy but are not even thinking about giving up their day job because A, they like their day job and be it doesn't sort of stop them doing it. And, mm, um, just the both worlds. Yeah, and they will have a lot more money than I will because I'm... You, you know, spend I'm it all. Of, well, no, I don't even spend any money. I just don't earn that much money. And uh, But I just want to be a comedian. So um, as soon as I earn enough um, consistently to, you know, pay for my flat and pay for my food and um, pay for my petrol, then I'll be a full-time comic but i'm not going to do that on a whim and potentially uh put yourself in debt and stress yeah and all that kind of stuff that's not really probably my, getting health problems really my vibe so what i'm going to do is i'm going to make sure i'm getting um lots of work from lots of lovely promoters who i who i have so much respect for and so much time for <laughs> particularly those who pay me um on time yeah. And cash. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, no, 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 no cashless system it, for you. What? No cashless system for you. Uh, hey, Bax is absolutely fine. Okay. Um, I declare everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you sort of have to uh, these days. But no, I mean, it, it's things are going pretty well for me. And I think that Jewish Community Year was the start of that. Well, actually, BBC was the start of that. But then from there, it's what do you do and what do you develop and um, you know even when I won Jewish Community in the year even when I won I got through to the BBC final I was very clear that in five years time I was not going to be talking about the BBC final in 2017 I was going to be talking about what I was doing then and that that was not going to be the pinnacle of my career even though it it was the pinnacle at the time Mm. and so that is you know something that I think it's very true for me in terms of, you know, how driven I am and, and the success I want to be. Yeah, it's great to say you just review the year. Like, no one will ever take that away from me. But ultimately, I want to be known as comedian, not Jewish comedian of the year 2017. Yeah. Forget about all these identities and these silos. And silos. Exactly. No, no, just just a funny person, a wholesome yeah. funny person. And just to finish off on... Um, what was the best feedback you ever got um, from one of your sets? Uh, or what you most proud of? Um, well, I mean... Do I... Okay. Um, what's the best feedback I ever got? In terms of most beneficial or in terms of most beneficial for my ego? 
any usually what someone has said to you like oh thank you you know you know because sometimes um, people don't give comedians lots of feedback unless they're shit not, yeah, not I, mean, I, I, I do get nice comments which is nice um i had quite a few people tell me ah yeah this is the nicest thing um so on so i did my edinburgh show this year i did um a show all about harry potter and how much i love him and mm. whether or not i love him more than my girlfriend Wow. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a very close call. Um, and so it proved so much more popular than I ever could have imagined um, to the stage where on the first Saturday and the last Saturday, I had 75 people in a 50-seater room. What? Um, I had people, yeah, I had people sitting on the floor, standing in the doorway. What venue was it? What, what venue was it in Edinburgh? What venue? Um, it was in a venue called Tolbooth Market, which was right at the bottom of the Royal Mile, so way out of town. People had to really. Which end is it? Towards the castle end or towards the um, where the Parliament, the Parliament end? Parliament end, okay. right next to Parliament. Okay. That's how far down it was. Wow. Um, luckily, it was downhill, so by the time they'd gone halfway, they were like, oh. Well, it's either go back up here yeah. or carry on. Um, but people had to really want it. And so on the first Saturday, um, these uh, two girls came to my show and they were very nice and they were from America. And they were, um, one of them had a, the Star of David as a necklace. So they were quite clearly Jewish. And um, they came up to me after the show and they said, Look, we love, and, and my show was a free um, show and you paid what you want at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and they came up and they said, look, we loved your show, but we can't carry money because it's Shabbat. And I said, look, that's absolutely fine. Um, as long as you enjoy the show, you know, have a good day. You know, I'll be around some other time. Um, come back next year or whatever. And uh, so they were there on that Saturday. And then three days later on the Tuesday, um, they both came back, they came and saw it again, and they paid me 20 quid each, um, which is insane for an for a Edinburgh show. Um, but it wasn't even the fact that they gave me that much money, it was the fact that they came back yeah. to pay me the money because they wanted to, even though they couldn't on, on the Saturday. And that was just like, that was the best feeling. And I had people tell me it was the best show they saw in Edinburgh, which was really sweet. Um, and yeah, and that's the kind of stuff that sticks with me more than, you know, three judges at the Jewish community of the year thought that oh, I was good for 10 minutes. Like, I want to be judged based on what I do over an hour, over yeah. 10 years, constantly evolving and getting better and getting better and getting better. And like, I think, you know, so far, I am getting better and mm. I, I feel as good as I've ever been. Mm. But, you know, I want to, I'm very happy with where I am at the minute. Mm. If I'm in this position in a year's time, I haven't worked hard enough this year. And wow, we've got position, goals, man. I just feel like I'm, I'm, I think I'm the most latest comedian in the world. When I hear people like you, just very, very inspiring. Like, I mean, it's pushing and pushing. On, but I mean, it, it just depends on your ambition and what you want to try and do. If you're doing comedy because you want it to make you happier and you want it to um, help with your mental health 
issues and or you want to just have something to do on a Wednesday night when you're mm, or mm. you've just come in from work um then that's a, the absolutely fair play to you I want this to be my job I want to be able to do bigger and better gigs and do better from it because I honestly don't think there's anything I'd rather do than be on stage wow. and so the way you do that is by getting better and getting good enough so that you can get paid to do it. Mm. Because if you don't get paid to do it, you can only ever do it once or twice a week or three times a week or whatever your limit is. I know when I was working full time at this, I would only be able to do once or twice a week. And then when I was able to slowly build it up and slowly get more and more successful at this so that I could work less, and now I only work a couple of days a week, it, it means that I can gig five nights a week. What? Now, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, of course. I, sorry, professional. Obviously, that makes yeah, sense. I gig seven if I Kills me. Like, yeah. I, I just, um, I love it so much. And there's no amount of driving. There's no amount of um, heart, like eating food in a service station that is not worth that doing well at a gig and. You know, I'm well aware that talking about how brilliant I am means that by the time I come round on Wednesday the 21st <laughs> to uh, do the gig, it's probably going to be awful. Um, no, no, but you have to be. You have to be positive. You like you. This is like sounds like your vocation. Like you have put the hours in, the working. You believe in yourself, and you're funny, and the accolades and everything's becoming so fruitful for you. So why not talk about the good things, you know, and your and your achievements instead of like bringing it down? Why why not? Um, so this is my theory on why I don't like clearing for my shows okay. uh, and talking about it in a positive way. I know I'm a good flyer. I can sell my show. I can talk about um, all of that kind of stuff. I can talk about how well I'm doing at comedy. I have no problem with doing that uh, with any of my friends, any of the people that I talk to. Mm. The 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 difficulty becomes talking about how good you are as a comedian when you're just about to do a gig. And I know Ooh. I'm not going to be doing a gig for two weeks or so. Uh, but for me, if I were to fly it, if someone came to see the show mm. and I wasn't that great, then that's, I can deal with that. But if I gone up to someone and go, hey, come see this show, it's going to be really good, I'm really funny, and then I die on my own that's embarrassing so it's setting expectations isn't it yeah and so um see that makes it that does make it a little bit more tricky and and that and also you know i don't want to seem like a massive dickhead and be like yes i am fantastic and you know i think i'm good i think i'm getting better Mm. and Mm. one day maybe i will be fantastic but at that point i want to be even better than that because that's the kind of person that i am but I think for for anyone to come and say that they're the best comedian or that they're amazing or anything like that, that person's clearly a dickhead and I don't want to be that person. And we'll end on that note. Is there anything that you want to plug, talk about your future gigs? How can we find you? Um, so the, the future gigs that I would like people to come to uh, clashes with the dates. Uh, of your well, I'll just say anyway. Of... You mentioned it. It's too stupid okay. now. People have yeah, free choice. Fine. People have free free choice. Yeah, you have free choice. You can come see uh, either 
um, the wonderful um, comedy night raising money for a uh, very Being important nice. charity, mm-hmm. including in, uh, such wonderful comedians as Simon Brodkin and myself. Um, or if you just, if you hate people with mental health conditions and you just want to give me the money, uh, you can come to my show at the Albany um, in Great Portland Street at seven o'clock um, on Wednesday, the 21st of November. What time? And the show's called Aaron Simmons and the Person That He Loves. And it's all about whether or not I love my girlfriend more than I love Harry Potter. Um, wow. Yeah, it's very fun. But come to the other gig instead because that You're actually so funny. Money for good I, is, it, um, is it a one man hour show? That one's 45 minutes. 45 minutes? Um, hold on, hold on, hold on one second. What Yo. time is it? What time does it start? Seven o'clock. Ooh, some people can do both. Depends. Some people could do both. Um, it's, it's ambitious. If you And also, you will be seeing me twice in the evening. Like, if you've lo- absolutely loved this, which uh, you fine if you have. Guaranteed, obviously. Okay. Yeah, obviously. Um, then you could potentially see me twice in one evening and not not hate me by the end of it but i would be surprised um because i will be doing a mix of both i'd be doing my show and then bits that are in my show in the second gig so definitely don't come to both come to one or the other go to the charity one that's much more important um i yes if you want to follow me on twitter uh yeah at rolling comedian uh rolling like Rolling down a hill, not taking rolling, rolling, rolling like limp, limp biscuit. That's my, my with, but with a G instead of a, a apostrophe. Ah, I'm not that, I'm not that rad. Um, okay. Although I could change it. Um, uh, and yeah, yeah, I'm on Facebook. I've got a Facebook group, uh, fan page as well, which is that rolling comedian as well on Facebook. And if you wanted to uh, find out where I'm gigging, I will update my Twitter um, eventually. I'm very bad at doing that. Just ask yeah, me. Social media is long, isn't it? Yeah, it's so annoying. Right, add me on, uh, find me on Facebook, tweet me saying, when am I coming here? <laughs> I will be going there at some stage. I go all over the place. And um, if you are interested in Harry Potter, if you're interested in disability, uh, get in touch. Or just interested in you. Yeah. But if, or, you know, anything. Um, I, you know, I'm happy to. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a very chatty guy, as you may have noticed. Uh, mm, mm. Yeah, just get in touch. Just say hey. And say hey, but don't like open doors for you because you can do that it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you, Aaron. Not Aaron. Okay. For being here and being a, such a wonderful human being and having such much insights in the world and just, just so goal orientated in the. And taking it seriously, I rarely hear comedians who like, look, this is this is my goal. This is what I'm going to do. And just pretending and just say, oh, just, you know, I just if I want to, you know, like serious. This is a job. It's one of the hardest jobs in the world. So I really salute you. Thank you very much. Okay then. Thank you.